Welcome to Themis Podcasts. Themis is a leading technology platform that helps clients manage their financial crime risk exposure through a combination of innovation, insight, and intelligence. Our podcasts aim to bring you insight, views, emerging trends, and thought leadership from industry leaders and our own financial crime experts. Find out more about Themis at crime.financial. In this episode, Themis Head of Research Nadia O'Shaughnessy interviews Sue Langley OBE, who has had an illustrious career both in the financial services industry and in the public sector. Sue tells us about her own experiences as a female leader in what have traditionally been very male-dominated areas and shares a range of valuable tips for young people navigating their career paths. This episode is part of a wider series of podcast conversations that Themis is releasing with impressive women working in finance and tech. Hello everyone and welcome to this Themis podcast, which we're recording as part of our brand new Women in Financial Crime series. We'll be hearing from impressive female leaders working across the public, technology and finance sectors, especially on topics linked to financial crime. Today, I have the privilege to be interviewing Sue Langley, who is a real wonder woman with an incredibly rich set of professional achievements. Sue currently holds a number of high profile non-exec roles, including as a non-executive chair for Gallagher UK and as the lead non-executive director for the Home Office. Previously, she was a trustee for Macmillan Cancer and CEO of Financial and Professional Services at the Department for International Trade. Before she joined the public sector, Sue held a number of executive director positions at Lloyd's of London and board position at Hiscox. Sue is also a founding member of the government's Women's Business Council and a recipient of multiple awards highlighting her achievements in the city, including an OBE in 2015 for her services to women in business. Sue is passionate about social mobility and involved in a number of charitable and mentoring roles. Sue, thank you so much for joining me today. It's wonderful to have you on a Themist podcast talking about a theme that we've been so excited to tackle. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And after that amazing introduction, yes, I always look behind me to see who you're describing. Well, thanks, Sue. And really, um, we've been looking forward to this conversation um, for a while now. So one of the goals of, of our chat today is to discuss women's experiences in traditionally male-dominated industries like finance and tech. I wanted to start off by asking how you describe your experience as a woman working in finance. It's been a really interesting career and I've been in financial services now for a very long time, I have to say. Um, and perhaps unusually, I've never found it particularly difficult being female in a male-dominating environment. Um, and I think part of that is due to your approach uh, in that I've never really thought about it. And I've, I've never come across uh, some of the unfortunate behaviours that you see described um, in the press. Now, saying that, there, there are moments uh, when you sit in a meeting or a board meeting of 20 or so male and you are the only female that you feel a little out of your depth in a way or perhaps not part of that tribe. Um, and I think that's why I've tried to do so much to support other women in business and those who come along behind me, because there is just something about being in an alien environment. And it's not um, uh, it, it's not in a way that 
anyone is 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 uh, Machiavellian or uh, are trying to not make you feel part of that club, I think it's just quite a lonely place sometimes. For sure, I can definitely imagine that. And so from what you've witnessed, uh, besides that sort of potential imposter syndrome, um, what do you think are some of the main professional challenges that women face in the financial sector as they try to build a career? I, I think it's got a lot better than when I started all those years ago. Um, there is something around the traditional roles in that it does still tend, although it's changing, to be the women that take time out to raise a family. And it's quite hard in some parts of financial services where you essentially have um, a network of clients that you work with to take a few years out and then come back and, and pick up those same relationships. So I do think that's a challenge. I think there's also a perception um, that financial services can be quite a tough place to work. Um, and I think that's perhaps a bit of a generalization. So um, it's perceived as tough in terms of uh, raising a family, caring duties. I know because I became a carer for my mum, for example, for quite a few years. Um, and that's quite hard to do with a, with a full-time role. Um, I think that's a bit of an unfair perception. Uh, retail financial services, for example, that's not the case. Uh, it comes down to an insurance. Um, some of the specialty markets um, are, are harder to work in. Um, but it's, it's kind of breaking that perception that you can achieve the objectives in your own way. You don't have to do it uh, in the same way that others. I'm, I mentor a lot of women and, and that's one of the things they talk about. They look at a role and say, well, I couldn't do it like that. And my response is always, you don't have to do it like that. You have to achieve the objectives, but you do it in your own way. I think that's a really important point to highlight the, the kind of sector and workplace specific differences and avoiding big generalizations about the industry as a whole. Um, I did want to ask, though, because representation of women is still lower in the financial industry, obviously, than, than of men. So what do you think we can and should be doing to sort of overcome some of these obstacles and ensure better representation, and more equal opportunities, including on the pay front for women? So if you look at the pay gap, um, it tends to be at the senior levels. So it's about what do we do to encourage women to stay or to come into financial services and stay in financial services or if they leave to encourage them back so I'm a huge fan for example of returnships so if I talk about the broking industry if women take time out uh, to to start and support a family there's no reason they couldn't come back into FS with some technical knowledge from I don't know tech law and and come into broking um, returnships don't have to be about the industry you actually started in. It's about creating the opportunity for women to come back and get back in touch with the, with the workplace. I think the second thing is people talk about it a lot, but role models are important. Um, I was talking to a senior female colleague at another FS um, company the other day, and she said that once they had about 30, 35% representation, um, at the exec co and on the board, it became almost a self-fulfilling prophecy and they attracted more women to join. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons I do lots of public speaking is it's that role model piece. You know, if you see people like you in senior positions in an industry, then 
you know, back to the imposter syndrome, it makes people think, of course I can do that and, and I can stay too. But it, it's really difficult. But I do think we need more radical action because we keep talking about, you know, female, female friendly policies and, and other things. But I think things like internship and actively pulling people, pulling women in at a senior level is what's needed if we're gonna, if we're gonna move the dial. Fully, fully agreed. And um, I know you, so you've mentioned public speaking, but I know that you also mentor a range of women across different industries. So um, when we've, we've spoken about role models, what is it about mentoring that you find particularly rewarding? And also, have you faced any challenges as a mentor? Yes, well, I, I always have around 17 mentories at any one time that kind of come and go. And I suppose it's because I feel really strongly that those of us who are lucky enough to um, have succeeded in our careers have a real responsibility to help those that come behind us. I mean, I, I, I do a lot of speaking on the theme of from the East End to who's who and still mystified. Um, so just because I was lucky enough to, to have this amazing portfolio of roles now, what am I doing to help other women, for example, from the East End to have the same kind of belief that they can actually make it? So I really enjoy seeing people succeed. Um, a great saying somebody uh, said to me once was uh, around hiring, which is always hire those that are more than capable of doing your job and hope to God they don't. So, so I like kind of generating success, if you like, uh, if you like around me. Um, I, I suppose I particularly focus on those women who don't necessarily have the confidence and it's giving them the confidence about and, and tips and techniques, if you like, about how to succeed. And when you start out in, in business, some of the things you could potentially do that I didn't do, I've made a, an awful lot of mistakes along the way. So I suppose it's kind of sharing that knowledge and seeing people develop. That's what I absolutely love. I think one of the really important things about mentoring though, is it's not a kind of one size fits all. There has to be a, a chemistry between you and the mentoree that's kind of open and trustworthy that you can actually share thoughts in a kind of constructive environment. And the other thing, we have all of these, you know, IND um, initiatives that are brilliant, but they tend to be blanket and they treat everybody in the same way. And the whole thing about us is we are individuals. And that's why I think mentoring on a one-to-one -one is so important. That's how you give people confidence. But there is one thing I always say to them in that I'm very happy to mentor you um, but there's no such thing as a free mentoring session or a free lunch. I will do this on the condition that you go back to your organisation and you find someone not necessarily in your area, but maybe in another area that's a junior person and you offer to mentor them too, because it's a bit like pyramid selling. That's how we then get a difference through the organisation with a network of people uh, mentoring. And so helpful. I've always found that incredibly valuable to have um, senior female leaders sort of um, to look up to and to, to follow the example of. I'm just going to pause the podcast here to let you know about Themis Search, an end-to-end -end SaaS screening and investigations platform that will help you to easily search, screen and monitor your clients, suppliers and third parties to check if they have any links to financial crime. It also allows you to perform a deep dive investigation and produce an editable enhanced due diligence report. It's updated every six hours with the latest data, including sanctions, adverse media, law enforcement, and PEP status. 
we draw data from a wealth of sources, but also have our own proprietary Themis conviction data around different financial crime typologies, making Themis search highly unique. Book a demo at crime.financial. So moving away from, from finance specifically, maybe, and I don't know which particular industries your mentoring covers. I know it's kind of cross-industry, but you have worked in both the public and the private sectors. So would you mind comparing and, and contrasting these career experiences for us? So from both a female, but also from a broader professional perspective. Yes, it's been really interesting seeing both sectors and also the third sector because I've worked in charity as well. And as well as a company having a different cultural feel, uh, I think those sectors do as well. And once again, it's a huge generalization because it depends on the department or, or the company. Um, I think there's a perception that private sector is a little more cutthroat because it's focused on shareholder return um, which is no bad thing in financial services. Perhaps it's another thing that, that might put people off because they think it's about wealth creation. Um, it's not. Any industry is about wealth creation, but that's actually a good thing. Let's remind ourselves that that means it allows a company to expand. It allows us to employ more people and it allows us to put money into the economy. Um, I think the public sector can be tough as well. I think it can be as tough as the as the um, private sector, but it's a little more what I would call structured. So it's a little more kind of rules and process based. And that's because of its nature of public accountability. You know, so it has to have that kind of transparency. Um, a lot of women that I mentor, because you're right, I mentor women across industries and sectors are attracted to the public sector because they believe it gives a better work-life balance. I would actually disagree with that because I think private sector now offers you a very good work-life balance. I think they're focused on that. Um, but the difference I would say, uh, and if I had my time again, perhaps I would have gone into, into public sector when I graduated, is in public sector, they tend to uh, value or reward um, different diversity of thought and they move you around um, different areas so you will experience a whole range of roles and activities whilst in private sector once again this is a huge generalization you tend to specialize you know you specialize in law you specialize in operations you specialize in finance um, so if you're looking for a really interesting career then I think public sector gives you a bit more variety if you stay in it than private sector now saying that, then it's actually quite hard to make the transition because on a CV, when you've, when you've had variety, that's great, but private sector are perhaps are, are looking for a little more kind of um, focus. Really interesting. Uh, thanks, Sue. And I know that you were also a founding member of the government's Women's Business Council, is that right? So could you tell us a bit maybe about your, your kind of initial work there? when it was founded? Sure, I was, um, I was asked to join by Theresa May at the time as the financial services representation. And there are an awful lot of female networking groups um, in industry, as you know. Um, and I have to admit, I'm not a fan of all of them. Um, I like groups that actually make a difference, that have a clear objective. And what attracted me to the Women's Business Council was it was all about the economic impact having more women in the working economy could have and that was either in you know in stem 
Um, that's actually looking at um, how many women we could get to return, how many were lost um, in the workplace, how many we could, we could get to return. Um, also looking at the number of women setting up their own businesses, how could we encourage that? Um, and it was there was some fascinating research because, of course, our our approach to life um, is set largely during childhood, um, and the uh, the experience you have at school as to which industries, for example, are suited to women and to men, um, and this was quite a while ago, has a huge impact on those uh, on those girls who actually want to go into technology. Um, or into you know financial services so there's some there's some unconscious bias training if you like going on in school so so I, I really enjoyed it because we had specific outcomes and programs of work to try and kind of influence each of those levers. Definitely and that strand is actually one I really wanted to pick up on the fact that you know, our identities as working professionals are really shaped by a number of factors gender being one of them but then as you say uh, economic background, age, ethnicity, to name but a few being others. Um, and you've mentioned to me in the past that you often speak about social mobility, for example. So are there any thoughts that you could share with us today about how this might intersect with gender in the workplace? Yes, well, I think I think we're all really complex people. And I think how those characteristics interact is probably the subject of PhD thesis and I'm probably not bright enough on that one but I do completely agree with you I think we're all a product of our environment um, so I was uh, very lucky for example in that my parents always said to me as a child I remember it very clearly that um, one you know you can do anything that you want to anything is possible and the second thing they used to say was how hard could it be so in spite of you know an East End school where only two of us were taught part-time for A-levels in a cleared out chemistry cupboard. You know, I, I've managed to have this amazing career and it's not down to um, amazing skills and intellect. I, I think it's just that kind of inner confidence that I hope's not arrogance, but a kind of a self-belief that you can achieve whatever you put your mind to. And it, and it comes back to, um, to resilience as well. I always say to my mentorees when they're starting out and they say, you know, what do I need to do? And I always say, well, there's just three things. One is um, network, not in a manipulative way, but if you've got a genuine interest in people, you never know where that will lead you. I've only ever applied for my first job. Every, every other one has, has always found me. And it's because of the kind of network I have and the people that I kind of meet. Um, secondly, be curious. Don't, don't think, right, this is my career path. This is exactly what I'm going to do. Year one, year two, year three, year four opportunities come out left field you know when I started out in God Thompson tour operations so long ago in retail I never thought I would end up chairing a financial services company um, and the third thing is is have resilience it's you will get you will get knocked back um, you know I've made an awful lot of mistakes in, in my career and, and the key is not taking it too seriously or yourself too seriously and getting up again and going well okay that was interesting what can I learn let's move on and and I suppose I'd like to end this question with, with a kind of a request or a plea. It comes back to, you know, what does shape us? And it's why I mentor people to try and help give them that confidence that I'm lucky enough to have. So if anyone is listening to this podcast and has kids, nieces, nephews or junior staff just starting out, then 
then I implore you, please, please, please go back and tell them the same thing. Tell them that one, anything is possible. And secondly, how hard can it be? Because you never know where it might take them. Brilliant. Thank you, Sue. What a strong message to end on. And in fact, you preempted my last question there because I was going to ask about recommendations that you'd like to share with young women and men, as you yourself said there, um, starting out their careers. So some really great food for thought for our listeners there. Um, this has been a fascinating conversation, Sue. Thank you so much for joining us today on this Themis podcast and for sharing such a range of good insight. Uh, and to our listeners today, thank you as well for tuning in and have a nice day. Thank you for listening to the latest Themis podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Themis, please visit our website at www.crime.financial 